Glory to God. Would you turn this morning, please, to uh, Scripture that we've been looking at previously, John, the 13th chapter. And let's go ahead and go to 1 John, the 4th chapter. John 13, 1 John 4. John 13, 1 John 4. We've been talking about the love of God. Anybody remember anything about the love of God? Hmm? Do I need to start over from the beginning? Or? Huh? I heard two grunts on that. That was all there was to it. <laughs> now this is what, our third session on this? By the way, uh, Believer's Way Church in Amarillo says hi. I was there this week and... The Lord helped me dodge all those thunderstorms and get back home in my little airplane. I tell you, I was praying in the Holy Ghost part of the time. It's been rough out there in disguise. And, and uh, I'm believing for something that can zip me there faster and up above the weather. Anybody believe with me on that? How's there some really good buys out there right now. One particular thing I've been looking at for two or three years now has come down in price over a million dollars in the last year. Well, boy, it's a good time to buy then, isn't it? Praise God. Well, uh, John 13, John 13, this is the New Testament commandment. And Jesus spoke it. And verse 34, John 13, 34, he said, A new commandment. I give to you that you love one another. That is the commandment. All of the law and the prophets is summed up in this. So you mean we don't have to keep the Ten Commandments anymore? Well, if you do this, you'll be keeping the Ten Commandments. That you love one another. That we love who? Now, We are to love the world, but that's not specifically what this said. This said love each other, and he was talking to the disciples. He's talking about loving fellow believers. And the scripture goes on to say that this is the outstanding witness that we belong to him, that we are real Christians because we love each other. That's how the world knows we're the real article. Not by how many scriptures we quote. Not by our size of our church or our stained glass or uh, not by any of the things that sometimes people think. It's by this loving each other. Can you see why the enemy works so hard to keep people in strife? Why he works so hard to to get get and keep families in strife and churches in strife? Because Christians fighting each other. Ministries, churches fighting each other absolutely undoes our witness to the world. That that is the evidence that we're real Christians. And if we don't have the love, then where's the evidence? But there is a love that's greater than strife. Amen. A love that's greater than selfishness. It is the love that God is. Keep reading. He said that you love one another. How? As I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this. By you loving each other as he's loved us. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. Now, we've been talking in these previous sessions that we love each other with the love God loves us with. And if you don't receive the love of God for yourself, then you're crippled in loving somebody else. How many remember the scripture says that we are to love your neighbor how? Well, what if you don't love yourself? Huh? What if you don't even like yourself? See, why, why would a person commit suicide? They're murdering their self. Why would they do that? Because they hate their self. They hate their life. They hate their self so much they want to kill their self. 
They don't love themselves. Why would a person not love themselves? Because they have not believed nor received the love that God has for them. Amen. Now go to First John, please. Let's look at this other verse. First John and the fourth chapter. In 1 John 4 and the 16th verse, 1 John 4, 16 says, We have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Look at that first phrase again now. We have what? Known. Now, this this word known encompasses more than just intellectual assent. You've heard that God loves you. He told you. How many know the Bible tells you that God loves you? We could could spend the whole time on that this morning. You go to verse after verse. In fact, I'm going to go to a couple. But God, how do we know God loves you? What's the little song they used to sing? Jesus loves me. This I know. How do I know that? Well, if you believe the Bible, then you have to believe that God meant what he said, that he loves you. Now, the problem is that people have made mistakes. They've sinned. They've erred. They've done selfish things. They've done bad things. And because they don't like their self, uh, many people don't believe God could really like me. How could he like me? And they have not known and believed and received the love that God has for them. This is the beginning of this whole thing. And the reason why we spend so much time here, it's no good to just tell people love each other. You need to love each other. If you haven't received God's love for yourself, and if you don't love yourself, you got, you're not yielding and receiving love, you don't have love to give. It's receiving love and giving love. Receiving love and giving love. If you don't know how to receive love, then you're not going to be a giver of love. You've got to know and believe and receive the love that God has for you. Everybody said out loud, God loves me. me. He really does. does. Do you believe it? If you believe it, it makes you happy. It makes you secure. Amen? He counts you valuable. You are precious in His sight. Not just humanity as a mass. You as an individual matter to Him. You're not a speck in the dust in the universe. You, you matter to Him. And no matter what you've done, He hasn't gotten to the place where he says, that's it, I'm done with them. I'm walking away. Forget them. They're too much trouble. They're, uh, you know, they're not learning. They're not going to get it. They're not going to do right. No, he believes in you. He loves it, you. you, Can you say amen? Amen. Say it again. God loves me. me. I'm precious to him. I'm I'm valuable to him. him. I, as a single individual... Am important to him. Now you need to believe that. You see that phrase? We've known it, we've heard it, and we've what? We believed it. Do you believe it? Do you receive it? It'll make you free. It'd help you just to go around all day saying, God loves me. God loves me. Isn't that selfish? You you can't show love if you haven't received love. No. Do your, you know, do your uh, neighbors in your family a favor and receive the love of God for yourself. Believe you can be loved. You know why I haven't got off this yet? I'm wanting to. I got pages of notes over there. (laughs) But I just know in my spirit that there are people who nod their head, but they don't believe God loves them. It's not real to them. It's, it's a theory, it's a concept, but it's got to be real to you. Yes, 
The devil's such a liar. He starts on people bringing thoughts, bringing feelings from the time they're little small children, trying to tell them, you know, that you're, you're not worth anything. And sometimes people's parents and friends have yielded to them, to the devil. And, and they just tell them, well, you know, you're not going to make it. You're going to mess up your life. You're good for nothing. And, and, and people come to believe this, that they're worthless. And the enemy comes and tries to tell you, you're, you're a drag on your family. You're a burden to the church. They'd, they'd be better off if you were gone. Your husband would be better off if you were out of here. Your wife would be better off. Your kids would be better off. Your, your company would be better off because you're just a drag. You, you, you are, are, are holding them back. That is a lie. Everybody say that's a lie. That's a lie. lie. Phyllis and I were seeing the other day some statistics about how some uh, seven, eight hundred people had already committed suicide in the state recently. That's ridiculous. I said, that's ridiculous. Do you know how quickly things can change? You know, you got teenagers taking their life. Because they broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend. And they found out that so-and-so in the 10th grade doesn't love them. Didn't realize they never did. Didn't realize they don't love them. They're just infatuated with them. People don't even know what love is. But because of the emotions and because of the feelings, they're going, well, they don't love me, and I love them hopelessly, and they don't love me. So what's the point of going on? Complete deception. Amen. Have not a clue that if you knew the Lord, you could cast a care over on the Lord and go have an ice cream, and in two months, forget about it. <laughs> People don't even know what love is. We use the word in our vernacular so, uh, it's so overused. I love my car. I love baseball. I love pizza. And I love you. <laughs> what does love mean? I want you to go to Isaiah, please, and let's look at this. Because we're, we're getting into something here this morning. Talking about the nature of the God kind of love. What is this this God kind of love? We're going to Isaiah 43. You know, I was thinking, uh, looking at this, you know, the Lord had us on honor for some time. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but man, it's a perfect setup for what we're doing now. The background on that helps us into this. And, of course, the Lord's smart like that, isn't he? Uh, The church I was at this, this past week, I spoke twice, and I spoke on the path, staying on the path. The path and the way of righteousness, the way God has ordained for you. And man, I just was on that uh, strong and heavy for for uh, two days. And at the end, the pastor said, I've been preaching on that for seven months. He said, and you just wrapped it all up tonight. And I didn't intend on that at all. In fact, I had some notes and I was sitting waiting for them to give me the service. And the Lord prompted me to go to Proverbs 4. wasn't in my notes. And we just did that for two days, you know. But the Lord, everybody said, the Lord's smart. He's really smart. And I'm telling you, what's going on now concerning the love of God is not just good, it's vital. It's vi- if you don't get this, you don't even know what Christianity is about. And if you don't get this, you're not doing this, you're not keeping the New Testament commandment that your Lord and Master and Savior told you. I mean, it doesn't get any more important than this. When we're talking about love, we're talking about Christianity in a nutshell. We're talking about love, we're talking about God Himself. He is love. What is love? It's not infatuation. So much of what people call falling in love and falling out of love is infatuation. How can you love somebody you don't even know? And yet you see this commonly. You see it among teenagers. You see it among older people. 
They saw somebody. Remember that, what was that old song? Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Ridiculous. Preposterous. How can you love them? You don't even know them. Don't know anything about them. You just saw them across the classroom. Saw them in the gym. Saw them at the drive-in. And you're in love. (laughs) Now you're in lust. You're infatuated with what you see. Got nothing to do with love. Nothing. And you, and you hear people talk about this even after they've, they've dated somebody for a while and they say, oh, I, I love you. I need you. You, you fulfill me. I, I, I love you. I need you. No, that, that's loving you. Right. Amen. Hear how quiet it got when I said that? <laughs> that's not loving them. I love you, I need you, means I love me, and you make me happy, so I like you to be around because of what you do for me, because I love me, and you you make me happy, so stay around, until you quit making me happy, then go away, and if you're bothering me, then I don't love you anymore. And if you're not making me happy anymore, then I don't love you anymore because I love me and what you do for me. And now you're not doing anything for me anymore, so I don't love you anymore. So I fell out of love. I fell in love. fell out of love. It's got nothing to do with the God kind of love. God loved us when we were not making Him feel good. He loved us when we were still His enemies. Is that right? We weren't even wanting wanting Him. We were opposed to Him. And at at that point, He loved us and gave the ultimate price for us and bought us and paid for us. Can you say amen? amen? Real love is not I love you, I need you. Real love is I love you, I want to bless you. I want to do something for you. I want to uh, take take problems off of you. I want to increase you. I want to make you happy. I want to make your dream come true. Amen? That's the God kind of love. Not, not loving you for what you can do for me. If you love somebody, get this now, they're valuable to you. They're precious to you. Their life and what they're going through or not going through matters to you. You want them happy. You want them comfortable. You want them blessed. You want their greatest desire fulfilled. Can you say amen? Amen. That's how God loves us. And that's if we receive that. So we say, well, yeah, but I've I've been such a bad person. He he doesn't love us based on our performance. He loved us before we were conceived. He loved us before we were born. Why? Because he decided to love us. In spite of our mistakes, He loves us, and it takes faith to believe that. You just have to say, okay, I believe it. God, You said I'm the apple of Your eye. You said I'm precious to You. I know I don't always feel like it, but if You said it, You're not a liar, and it's so. You love me. I'm precious to You. Everybody said out loud, I'm the apple of His eye. Amen. <laughs> Uh-oh, I'm fueling Phyllis's doctrine over here. She's hollering I'm his favorite. Well, Isaiah 43, are you there? <laughs> he does love us. Isaiah 43, 4. It says, since you were precious in my sight, and God is talking here. Since you were what? Precious in my sight. That means valuable. Valuable. Precious stones are valuable. Precious metals are valuable. What is the most precious thing in all time and eternity? More than silver and gold could ever uh, accrue to. 
the Bible says, calls the blood of the Lamb precious. Remember 1 Peter, you were not redeemed. You were not bought with corruptible things like silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. Everybody say precious. Is there enough gold, is there enough platinum to equal the value of the blood of the Lamb? All the gold, all the platinum, all the money, all the precious jewels in the entire planet combined together wouldn't begin to compare to the value of the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because the life is in the blood. And the life of God, the life of Jesus was and is in that blood. I understand what I'm talking about now. Nothing more precious in all time and eternity than the blood of the Lamb. Now get this. He paid every drop of it in exchange for you. What does that make you? Extremely valuable. Next time the devil wants to mess with you, tell you you're not worth much, you ask him point blank. Well, then why did God pay so much for me? Hmm? God's not dumb. He's not a bad businessman. He didn't pay a billion dollars for a $10 item. He knows better than that. But he paid the most precious thing in all time and eternity, the blood of the Lamb, to buy you and me. Because we were more worth more to him than his own life blood. Glory to God. What am I saying? What the Bible is saying, what we just got through reading, we are precious to him. We are valuable to him. We are greatly loved of God. This whole planet's going to melt with fervent heat. I mean, the stars are going to roll away. Things are going to change, but us, we are saved forever. We're going to be around. He's right now in heaven doing what? Preparing a, not just doing something for yourself, not on some other project, getting some things ready for us. We must be important to him. I mean, there's other things he could be doing. He's got a whole universe out there. But he's preparing mansions and estates and perfect things for us. So when we get there, we'll go, ooh, ah, wow. This is amazing. He'll say, yeah, I knew what you liked. And I made it just for you. I knew you'd like this. You go, oh, God, I like, do I like this? Like's not the word. This is incredible. He said, yeah, now look at this over here. And he'll show you something else. And in the ages to come, he's going to show us the exceeding riches of his grace. Aren't you glad you're saved? Oh, man. Keep reading here. Say it out loud. I'm precious. I'm loved. Isaiah 43, 4, since you were precious in my sight, you have been honorable. So we talked about honor. What does it mean when you honor something? You value it. And I have what? Tell me who's talking here. Is he talking to you? Is is God's word, is the Bible God speaking to you? Listen to it just like the Lord was telling you personally right now. You were precious in my eyes. You've been honorable to me. I have loved you. Therefore will I give men for you and people for your life. The ultimate fulfillment of that came when he gave his only son for us in exchange. Gave him up for us to buy us to purchase us. God loves you. I said, God loves you. Now, I want you to go, please, to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Do you have a few more minutes this morning? 1 Corinthians 13. When we say God loves us, God, let's, let's put... Instead of love, let's put a blank there. 
God loves us means God does what for us? What is love? What does love do? Well, if you know your Bible very well, you know 1 Corinthians 13 describes what love does and does not do. Right? Describes uh, how love reacts, responds, talks. And so this applies many-fold. As we read this, as we're going to, realize this is what God does with you. Because God loves you. And so instead of the word charity that's in the King James, or even the word love, let's put the word God in there. And let's apply it directly to ourselves. And then with the love that God loves us with, we can turn around and do this with other people. Because He's taught us how and He shed this love abroad in our heart. 1 Corinthians 13, are you there? 1 Corinthians and the 13th chapter. He's talking about the love of God. 1 Corinthians 13, actually back in 1231, if you just back up one verse, it brings you into that chapter. He said, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. He'd been talking about what we call the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, uh, gift of faith, working the miracles, gifts of healings, uh, Tongues and interpretation and prophecy and all these things. And he says, covet these things. And we ought to. But you know why we ought to covet these? Because we want to see people helped. Right? These things are not just for us to sit in the living room and go, whoo, whoo, feel that? Whoo, I'm having a word of knowledge. Whoo. These things are to help people. And I want you to listen carefully now because the Lord was dealing with me early this morning about this. This is an important thing for us to get. You need to give every action, every so-called ministry, every so-called sermon and message, every prophecy, every tongue and interpretation, every so-called miracle, every so-called manifestation of the Spirit. You need to give it the love test. Now, if you don't know what I mean by that, just stay with me a minute here. The love test. I've had people come to me before and and say, Brother Keith, God uses me in all nine gifts of the Spirit. Okay. Why did they tell me that? To bless me? To minister to me? No. Let's give it the love test. Was this in some form to love me, to help me, because I was valuable to them? No, no. They want to impress me with their spirituality. They want me to be impressed with them. Got nothing to do with love, so it's got nothing to do with God. For God is love. Are you with me now? See, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the name of gifts of the Spirit. Or in the name of being a prophet, or a prophetess, or in the name of prophecy. And when you boil it, give it the love test, and you'll see that they're just trying to impress you with their spirituality. They're trying to show you that they know something, or that they saw something. Not because they care about you, they're not trying to help you. If there's no love in it, there's no God in it. For God is Love. That's what this very next verse says. Are you with me? Verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity or love, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. What good does it do? Let's say you're a tongue-talking dude. (laughs) And you roll up and talking tongues, talking tongues, talking tongues and go, what do you think about that? Well, give it the love test. 
Was there something here to minister to somebody, to help somebody, to relieve somebody, to bless somebody, to enrich or increase somebody? No, they're just showing what they can do. Well, then it ain't God. It's just them. No love in it equals no God in it. Are you with me now? Let's keep reading. He said, though, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. You know, if you'll press into God and if you'll pray, you will be privy to some things. You will see. I don't mean necessarily you'll have an open vision, but you'll have understanding. You'll see some things. You might have a vision. You might have a dream. You will see some things. If you'll walk close to God, you'll be perceptive. You'll pick up things. It doesn't mean you should say anything about what you see or know. Now, this is a key to maturing and growing up in God. I had the privilege of working under Dr. Kenneth Hagin for over 20 years. A man, I believe, stands in the forefront of the prophet's ministry. I know for a fact from working with him, the man sees and knows a bunch. I know it. See, and I've seen it uh, validated. I've seen it confirmed. And having worked under that for that long, I got familiar with some of these things. And I I know some things. I see some things. And most of what you see and know, you don't tell. A lot of things, even though you see it and know it, if you told people, it wouldn't help them. They're not ready to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They're not going to do anything about it. It would only discourage them. So why tell them? Did you hear me? Now, if the Lord tells you to tell somebody, then you're supposed to. But a lot of what people are doing is just trying to impress somebody uh, with their so-called spirituality. It's quiet in here this morning. Everybody said out loud, if there's no love in it, there's no God in it. If, if I understand prophecy, if I understand fulfillment of things in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Revelation, and yet I try to tell people what I know, but I'm not trying to help them, what does it profit? I have faith. I'm, I know about faith, but I'm not trying to help people genuinely. I'm trying to demonstrate where I'm at. Then what does that benefit? Nothing. It's not God. It's not It's not beneficial. Verse 3, keep reading. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. Now, boy, you would think for sure that would be a love act. But you know people can do that for wrong reasons. PR. You know, call the local newspaper and the TV station. We're going to be down at such and such place a certain time. Would you all come down and make sure you see this? And and, uh, write off. Just a business write-off. Hmm? Good PR. Though I give my body to be burned. Now you say, well, now, Brother Keith, what about that? I mean, good gracious, that ain't just PR. Now, you gave your body to be burned. Yeah, but you can do it in a false sense of how spiritual and wonderful I am. I am so spiritual, I'm going to let them take me away. Because I'm so holy and wonderful, I'm going to lay my life. What well, is it helping anybody for your body to be burned? Is it help? I mean, if you were trying to take somebody's place so that they could live, well, that'd be one thing. But if you're just trying to do something, you know, to show off spiritually, it profits what? Nothing. nothing. It profits me Nothing. No love equals no God equals no benefit, no profit. How important this is. We need to examine everything we do. I need to be preaching and talking to you this morning because I care about you. Amen. 
And I want to see you helped. And I want to see you fed. And I want to see you enriched. If all I care about something from me, then it's not God. Hmm? If all I'm trying to do is build a ministry or build a church, then it's not God. And with you, everything you do, every prayer you pray, every action and every word, it needs to be examined by the love test. Why am I saying this to them? Why am I doing this? Keep reading. This is the quality, the nature of love. Verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. Now, the opposite of love is selfishness, isn't it? Selfishness is the nature of your flesh and my flesh. The flesh hadn't been born again yet. All you got to do to be selfish is just wake up in the morning (laughs) and yield to your feelings and thoughts of your flesh, and you'll be selfish all day long. But if you've been born again... The love of God has been shed abroad inside you. Amen. In your heart by the Holy Ghost. And you can overcome the selfishness and yield to the love. Is selfishness, does selfishness suffer long? Is selfishness kind? No. Selfishness is impatient and selfishness is short. Why? Because I'm important. And you're taking up my time. And you're in front of me in line. And I've got somewhere to go. Well, they do too. Well, you're in front of me in the highway. Highway was not just built for you, honey. Well, there are other people on this airplane besides me and they're bothering me. Well... You see what I'm talking about? So many people, and and, and Phyllis and I have talked about this. It is getting worse and worse. I mean, people will run over you and not even know it. Why? Because they got somewhere to go. And the only thing that matters is what they're thinking about and what they're doing. They're in a world of selfishness, oblivious to everything and everybody outside around. You and I as Christians cannot live like this and please God. A fellow said this one time. He's out in Central Park in New York years ago. And it was was a nice day and he was looking up and the Lord asked him a question. He said, "Uh, son, what do you see out here? He said, well, he's looking up. He said, there's buildings over there. And I see all these cars over here. And he said, there's an airplane coming over. And the Lord said, that's not what I see. He said, what do you see, Lord? He said, I see people in the building. I see people in the cars. I see people in the airplane. So you have to watch about people just becoming part of the fixtures and furniture like the stuff is. No, the stuff doesn't matter. The people do. Amen. Amen. And it doesn't take it doesn't take long, doesn't take that much effort to be friendly and minister to somebody on the other side of a counter. Even though you're busy, even though you're in a rush, nothing you're gonna do that day messing with stuff, messing with the machine, messing with a product or a vehicle, even compares with your interaction with a human person. And if you're so busy to work on a machine that you're rude to a person, you don't even know what being a Christian is. Right? And yet it happens all the time, doesn't it? People just treat somebody like a pile of dirt over some lumber. Treat somebody terrible over a piece of furniture. Treat somebody lousy over a piece of clothes. Treat somebody terrible over a car. Well, that means we don't know what's valuable. God loves us. He loves people. Everybody said out loud, I love people. People are valuable to me. People are much more important than stuff, than things. People are precious to me. 
That means you take a minute with them. Right? That means you make the effort to not be rude and crude and uncouth. And calloused. Take a, just put forth a little effort. Put a little smile on your face. Put a little peace in your voice. You know, it doesn't take long to minister some life to somebody. How are you doing? And really mean it. Really care. Really be looking to see if I can enrich their life some way today. When we pray, Lord, order my steps, direct my paths, then realize it's not by accident that you met them today. Yeah, but I meet them every day. It's not by accident that you meet them every day. That you live where you live and the people that are in your life are in your life. You, God could have put you on the other side of the world. He could have put you in numerous other situations, but there's a reason why you are where you are. Doing what you're doing. God wants to use you to minister to the people. That doesn't mean preach to them all the time. I'm going to say that real slow. That doesn't mean preach to them all the time. We've got people that are preaching at folks. And they don't love them. People even talk about it and they say, well, it's just my job to tell you the truth. And what you do with it, it's your business. You don't receive it, tough. Your problem, I told you. People have that attitude. Well, I told them. It's my job to tell you. Do what you want to with it, but you better listen. I told you. No, you have more of a job than that. The Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. It's not just what you're saying. How do you say it? Why are you saying it? The scripture says the sweetness of the lips increases learning. So many times people just completely turn somebody off by the way they said and did the thing. If they had just had some wisdom and some tact and some grace, the person would have received it from them. But who wants to be slammed on? Hmm? Who wants somebody to take a T-bone and cram it in your face? Eat this. Now, if they'd have taken a minute and put it on a plate and garnished it real nice and said, would you like a steak? You'd eat the whole thing. If somebody's not saved and you're trying to win them, we've talked about this before. When you, We're fishers of men. But you don't take your pole and go out there and say, Bite! Bite it. Bite that hook. Doesn't work. You got to throw it out there. Move it a little bit. People fly fish around here and they know. I mean, you got to move that thing a little bit. You got to get the fish to wanting it. Right? That fish got to want that. If he wants it enough, he'll bite it. If you make it attractive enough to him, he will want it. You know, there's whole passages in the New Testament that talk about us adorning the gospel, making the gospel attractive. You know, there's a lot of people that are not Christians because they have relatives that are. And they think if, if being a Christian is being like Uncle Bob or Joe or Aunt Susie, then forget it because they, no, uh-uh. And it's not like that. Being a real Christian is wonderful. There's nothing more wonderful on the earth in time and eternity. Being full of love. Being full of life. Being full of joy. Having victory. Amen. Being an overcomer. Can you say amen? Can you take a little more? The Bible said, love or God Suffers long. Now, see, we've got to apply it in both directions. How does God deal with you? Huh? God suffers and puts up with you a long time. And He's kind while He's doing it. Somebody say, thank God. One thing I have found about the Lord, one of the things that I am in awe of Him about is his great patience. Oh, his patience is amazing. I'm in awe. He'll say something and it'll come to pass 500 years later. <laughs> you know it's true. I mean, whew. oh, his patience. 
How many want to be like God? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. No, people didn't even raise their hand. Like, yes, you do. You want to be like that. You want to be like love. You want love to flow through you, which means you are long suffering. You'll put up with stuff, and then you'll put up with it some more, and then you'll put up with it. And other folk are saying, I have had it. I have had it. And you're saying, I'm okay. They'll come around. Long suffering. And while you're doing it, you're kind. 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 God's that way with you. I've seen him, I've seen him, you know, with, with other people until you're at the point where you're thinking, God, ain't it about time to judge them? <laughs> I mean, dear Lord, I mean, how, how long are you going to put up with this? <laughs> I think it's about time to judge them. And, and your patience is gone. Your patience is shot, gone out the window, and his has barely begun. And you better be glad he's that way with them because he's also that way. With you. Let's read the next one. What, when we say God loves us, what does that mean? Well, God's long-suffering with us. He's patient and kind with us. And that's the way we should be with other people. And what else? Love envies not. Love vaunts not itself is not puffed up. Boy, this is a big one. And this is a big key to prosperity. Love doesn't envy. And love doesn't begrudge another person's success or blessing. If you criticize another man or woman's blessing and success, you just judged yourself unworthy of it. Because faith works by love. You're not loving them in these areas, so your faith's not going to work in these areas. I have seen it again and again. People that get to yang-yang and talking and going, well, you know, I just don't, I think that's too much for that. I don't see why anybody had to give that much for something like that. Or what do they need that for? Well, you know, somebody here recently had want to say something negative about our house. And uh, I told Phyllis, I said, they don't know what they're saying. What they're saying is that's too good for them. That's too good for Keith and Phyllis. Well, well, I guess you'd rather you had it. <laughs> or who would you rather had it beside us? You see what, what people are saying? They don't realize they're saying this, but why, you know, I, I guess it would be all right for an entertainer to have it or be all right for a businessman to have it. But uh, you understand what I'm saying? Right. You're saying, well, you know, who, who should have it? Well, when your friend or your relative or somebody gets something nice, realize In judging their blessing, you are judging what you can have. You are judging yourself. Do you understand this? So what should your response be? Hmm? You've been believing for a car for two years. And -and so-and-so said they was believing for one last week, and they just got a new one now. (laughs) And they, they ain't been saved half as long as you have. Now what do we do? I don't understand that. I've been in the way longer than they have. <laughs> maybe, maybe in your own way. <laughs> no, no. If you love them, you'd rather they got the car first. Amen. If you loved them. Right. Come on, guys, help me out now. You, you're with me? You're awake? This is important stuff. If you loved them, you'd say, glory to God. I want you to have a a new car. Amen? Amen. Yeah. You'd shout. You'd be glad. You'd rejoice. And then you could say, and mine's coming too. I'm right behind you, brother. I know one of the first cars years ago that we got that was a pretty nice car. It wasn't new, but it was late model. It was nice. And we came to to a place in it. One of the guys that helped me, he said, "Is that your car?" I said, "Yeah, man. The Lord got us in there." He said, "Whoo, glory!" He went out and he looked at it and he started dancing. And he ran around the car and he rubbed the paint. He said, "Whoo, boy, that's sharp!" And he danced some more and he ran some more. I mean, way more than I did. 
And we was, you know, a couple hours later, he said, he looked at, he said, man, that's a sharp car. That's your car? I said, yeah. He said, oh, glory to God. And he shouted. He said, one reason I'm shouting is I'm in the same blessing line you're in. He said, you got started before I did. You're up a few places ahead, but I'm right behind you, brother. Love doesn't envy anybody. I mean, it. As far as you're concerned, it doesn't get too good. I wish everybody had a mansion and five vacation homes and three boats and an airplane and 12 cars. I do. Do you? If you don't, why don't you? Why don't you? I said, well, I just don't think it's right. Why? It's not right to steal money. It's not right to take money for one thing and spend it for something else. It's not what you got. It's how you got it. But if the Lord gave it to you, why would you begrudge somebody's blessing? And yet people do. I know a friend of mine, I've told it before, but he got a dog. (laughs) And it was a special trained dog and a special bred dog, $15,000 dog. I never heard so much flack over a dog in my life. Everybody said, ah, that's too much money for a dog. Well, you didn't buy it. It's his dog. Well, I just don't think it's... Well, well, why do you care? Why does it bother you? See, here's the thing you've got to identify. Why did it bug them? I just don't think that's right. Why? If there are $15,000 dogs around, which there are, and they're they're higher than that, there's probably $100,000 dogs around. Who are to have them? Are they just for the drug dealers to help watch for the police? That's the kind of people that's buying some of these. What'd be wrong with a Christian having one? But people get people have trouble with it, don't they? Now we're laughing, but you know what I'm talking about. People talk about this kind of stuff. And they make remarks. Well, I just don't I think that's too much. You know, why? Why would you care? You ought to be happy that your brother has something. Well, I don't know if they got it right or not. Well, that's between them and God. You got a full-time job keeping up with yourself. If if they're wrong, they'll have to deal with God about it. Right? But why would you care that they got something nice? Love is glad when the object of the love gets blessed. Amen. (laughs) Keep reading. Love doesn't begrudge another success. Love doesn't vaunt itself. It's not puffed up. Another translation says it makes no parade of itself. It doesn't put on airs. Listen to this. It doesn't cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. Love is humble. Selfishness is proud. I'm closing, I think. Pride is always trying to impress somebody else. So we talked about this in the beginning. Pride is trying to impress you with what I have, what I've done, where I've been, what I know, who I know. Pride is a name dropper. Have you ever noticed some folks, you go to tell them about something, and you're not two sentences into it, they're going to tell you about what they did that was bigger and better than what you're talking about. He said, well, man, you know, we went to the lake and had a good day. And they said, well, we went to the ocean and went in a big boat. <laughs> okay. How many want to talk? People do it. They do it constantly. Man, I got a new Ford. Well, we got a new Mercedes. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Compare and don't try to belittle somebody else's thing and try to make yours bigger. There are times to keep your mouth shut. You might have had something twice as big happen for you on the same day, but when they come to tell you, be quiet about yours. And let's have a party over theirs. Love will do that. Right? Love doesn't show off. Love's not comparing and contrasting and trying to show you that I got bigger and better. Can you say amen? Amen. (laughs) Love doesn't cherish inflated ideas of its own importance. It makes no parade of itself. 
It doesn't put on airs. Why? Because it's not concerned about you knowing about me. It's concerned about me blessing you. Me helping you. Me doing something for you. That's one reason we do what we do. We'll stand up in here and shout because somebody got a new pocket knife. We'll read. Somebody, you know, got you know, got a five dollar thing, they got a ten dollar thing, they got a fifty we'll read the fifty dollar thing right along with the five hundred thousand dollar thing. Why? Because we care. We want to give God the glory for all of it, and we care. All of us that are different places in our faith walk, and nobody starts at the top. Like Phyllis said, we started out believing for a tank of gas, believing for a pair of shoes, and I shouted just as much over those shoes that I got as I do an airplane now. Why? Come from the same source. And it was as big to me then as that new thing would now. But love cares about the other fellow's blessing. Love esteems the other fellow better and more highly even than myself. Love wants to know, what's going on with you? How's your faith project coming? That money come in yet? I'm with you. I'm believing. We're believing for a new car, right? We're believing for a new house, right? Love will join with you and believe with you. Can you say amen? Amen. Stand on your feet, why don't you? Let me lead you in some, some things. It blesses me so wonderfully when I hear that you showed hospitality and blessed people that came to the church. And the reason that is is because you are demonstrating love. You are performing the New Testament command. It's also the proper reason for you to have faith to believe to become prosperous. Because you're not just believing for yourself, you're believing to have stuff that you can bless other people with. Amen? I want to see your hands. How many are believing to have plenty of money and plenty of stuff, cars that you can loan to people that come to town, a house big enough you can entertain folks, you can have them in, say, yeah, y'all can stay down at the south end of the house. We won't even know you're there. Don't laugh too hard now. How many believe in for plenty of money? Somebody can come to town and you can take them out, buy them some new clothes, take them to the outlet malls and take them to nice places to eat and fill up their car with gas and put a present in their lap and say, have fun, come back soon. Amen. 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 Love does those kind of things. Love takes the time to think, what do they like? What size do they wear? What color do they like? And write stuff down and keep up with it. Why? Because you care about them. You want to see them smile. You want to see them happy. You want to see them blessed. I see some looks all across the crowd. Lift up your heart. Lift up your hands. Pray this out loud with me. Say it out loud. Father God, I believe the love you have for me. I receive that love. I am loved. Of you, you. I am most precious precious. and valuable valuable. to you. you. I'm the apple of your eye. eye. And this love love that you've loved me with is in me now now. to love other people with. Teach me me of this love. love. Lead me into this love until I overflow. With the divine love that you are. Bring it within my power. Within my ability. Within my opportunity. To bless other people. Show me what they need. Show me what they want. Show me what they're believing for. And use me to help bring it to pass. Use me to help pay off things. To help meet needs. To help fulfill dreams. And desires. Here am I. Send me. Use me. Fill me up. And pour me out. In blessings. On others. In Jesus name. Hallelujah. Oh let's praise him and thank him for that. Oh thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Come on, just praise Him a little while. Lord, we bless You. Lord, we thank You. Oh, hallelujah.
Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Whoo! Say, I'm a blessing. I'm a blessing every day. I'm a blessing to many people. God makes me so. Amen. You are you are a blessing going somewhere to happen. You are. You're a blessing in here. You're a blessing out there. You're a blessing. And it's an amazing thing. You get all you, you get all caught up being a blessing and forget about yourself. Next thing you know, you'll start reaping. Because you've been sowing. Just sowing, sowing, sowing. Next thing you know, you've been helping somebody else's dream to come true. God will bring somebody to cause your dream to come true. It works that way. Job, when he prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity. It's the law of sowing and reaping. You get caught up in being blessing and helping other people and forget about yourself. And you look around and your needs are met. Taken care of, done. It's a law. It's a principle. The law of Christ. Bearing one another's burdens. Praise God. You can be seated.